0: Welcome to Explore the Space. We're digging into healthcare issues that matter most. Our guests and conversations mine these issues for perspective and answers. There is a gulf between healthcare and our communities. This is the place to talk about it. Now, here's your host, Dr. Mark Shapiro.
1: Welcome back to Explore the Space podcast. I am your host, Mark Shapiro. Before we get to today's episode, I just want to thank the sponsors of this episode, Creighton University and Lori Bedke. Creighton University believes in equipping physicians for success in the exam room, the operating room, and the boardroom. If you want to increase your business acumen, deepen your leadership knowledge, and earn your seat at the table, Creighton's healthcare executive education is for you. Specifically tailored to busy physicians, our hybrid programs blend the richness of on-campus residencies with the flexibility of online learning earn a Creighton University Executive MBA degree in 18 months, or complete the non-degree Executive Fellowship in six months. Visit www.creighton.edu backslash C-H-E-E to learn more. My guest in this episode is Dr. Renee DeVersdal. Dr. DeVersdal is a national expert in point-of-care ultrasound, bedside ultrasound, also known as POCUS. And she is the new chief medical officer at Vave Health. And she is an associate professor of medicine at Oregon Health and Science University. She is back on Explore the Space. She was on last year where we sat down actually in the ultrasound lab at OHSU where she runs a simulation and instruction course on using POCUS. And she's back today to talk about the potential role for POCUS when treating patients with COVID-19 and specifically... And also about this new venture that she is on. She has taken a a new position. She is a chief medical officer. And the journey that she's been on to step into that space, there are some incredible lessons there. It was really, really interesting to discuss that with her and to hear the thought processes and the barriers that she encountered and the inertia that she had to work through. Just really critical stuff. And I think that there are some wonderful elements that we can pull out of there as we all move forward. Before we get to my conversation with Renee, definitely want to remind you all to subscribe to Explore the Space wherever you like to download your shows. We are on Apple Podcasts or wherever you like to download podcasts. You can email me anytime Mark at explorethespaceshow.com. You can check out the entire archive of Explore the Space podcast. We are coming up on episode 200 at www.ExploreTheSpaceShow.com as well. You can find me on social media, Twitter at ETS show and Instagram at explore the Space show great stuff in this conversation with Renee. She has walked out on a very, very interesting path in addition to the fundamental expertise that she already carries. Fantastic to speak with her. Fantastic to learn from her. I think you're going to really enjoy it. Without further ado, Dr. Renee Deverstal. Renee, welcome back to Explore the Space. Delighted to have you here.
0: I'm delighted to be here again. Thanks so much.
1: Our timing is very good, and I always trust that the podcast gods will afford the right timing, and I have just come off, as I shared on social media, a week on our COVID-19 inpatient service where I was the hospitalist taking care of the COVID patients at the hospital that I work at who are outside the ICU, and you and I were reflecting back and forth a little bit on what I felt like was not so much a gap, just because we're Dealing with something totally new, but I would say more of an opportunity that I think would potentially improve the way we're able to discuss and manage and even educate people with COVID 19 who are admitted to the hospital. So that's where I want to start. Will you, will you come into the isolation room with me?
0: I will. I will absolutely come into the isolation room with you. Although I will just throw out there, it was so much fun to record with you in person uh, back in Portland. But since we're all in isolation these days, I know. We'll step back in together.
1: I was thinking about that too. The last time we recorded, I was in your ultrasound simulation and teaching lab at OHSU, which is one of the coolest places I've ever recorded a podcast. There's like all this cool tech and that great conference room. And it was awesome. And yes, we are not in that same space now. But
0: we're going to uh, we're going to get the same vibes.
1: That's right. We'll forge ahead. So, OK, we we were very fortunate. We have the cappers, the giant helmets with the face shields and the Plastic that pulls over the bottom of your neck, but it, just if you can imagine, right? It's you do the N95 in a face mask or the Capper helmet, and you go in the room. Some of the rooms are already designed to be negative pressure and some of them have to have those giant industrial HEPA filters put in. And why I'm sharing all this is basically whoever's in the room, both the patient and the team taking care of them, it's loud. There's a lot of background noise. You're also pretty amped up, at least I was, and maybe that's more about me, but you're just kind of fired up and kind of you know, heart rate's up, and definitely have kind of a an adrenaline surge going on. And when you're in there, right, you're going to talk with the patient, you're going to examine the patient. And one of the barriers that you experience, right, especially because you don't have your usual stethoscope, which is what we normally have, you want to listen to their lungs. You can't hear anything. You just can't hear anything. That's a barrier.
0: Yeah, I mean. I think about that even without the capper, even without the HEPA filter, uh, just taking care of our regular contact precaution patients with those same, um, the plastic, the, we call them the Fisher-Price stethoscopes, the white yeah, yellow, totally, these flowers totally. are.
1: Yeah, yeah, and for
0: sure. you, even there, I'm like, yeah, maybe there's some crackles, even in that scenario without the background noise, it's incredibly hard to auscultate anything. And so um, adding everything on, it limits exponentially your ability to... I think, to, to really get a good sense of what's going on.
1: And then I was thinking about this, and this is why I texted you last week, because the first time I heard you give a talk, you gave a talk on point-of-care ultrasound or ultrasound at the bedside and you were showing and teaching us about how to do it to look at lung tissue how to look at normal lungs how to look at abnormal lungs what are the different findings and then what can you do with it and for me it was like this is the coolest thing ever this was about a yeah it was about a year ago give or take and it was so cool and so exciting and then just in talking about this idea of hand held ultrasound, you know, why you're here and the role that you've now taken, right? Thinking about, my gosh, if I could actually see the lung tissue directly at the bedside and show the patient exactly what I'm seeing and talk about it for a disease process that primarily affects the lungs, that would probably be an amplification of therapy.
0: There's um, a really great, so Society of Hospital Medicine, Journal of Hospital Medicine. There's a a great paper recently by some of my POCUS nerd friends, um, and they (laughs) had gone through. So, of course, the lungs are the obvious. The lungs, great. So, kind of showing it just how posteriorly predominant, uh, these, these consolidations and findings can be. This is why self proning, you know, awake proning. That's why it works because it's so posteriorly, uh, in, in involved. And, and holy so smokes,
1: I, it works. I mean, my gosh, I was right. in the room, sir, try laying on your stomach. Let's see what happens. Wow. I uh, anecdotal evidence is the weakest form of evidence. I acknowledge that. Sure. I also know what I saw. <laughs> it was unbelievable.
0: Yeah so i i basically just think that any piece of education i can do anything yeah, i can yeah. show to a patient is going to you know involve them more right. um, yeah. in the process but the other things are the later cardiovascular complications, DVTs. I can't even tell you how many friends have been telling me about diagnosing DVTs at the bedside with this because this crazy prothrombotic um, effect. I can't remember some of the other things. Of course, line placement. You can confirm your line placement without needing to bring in the portable chest x-ray just based on the bubbles. There's all kinds of things. And so um, really... The goal here is to take better care of the patients at the bedside, reduce the number of ins and outs of providers, reduce the amount of PPE usage, and just provide better care. So of course, us POCUS lovers are like, COVID's terrible. I hope this never, ever happens again. This in you know Portland, we've been very fortunate. We've not been very hard hit, but COVID has shown a really, really, really bright light on point-of-care ultrasound. And so for that, I'm trying to, to make
1: lemonade so then what is the opportunity is not the right word but what is the sort of strategic vision to Allow us to provide better care for COVID patients, acknowledging that we're going to be doing this for a while and that while we're doing it, it's really hard to hear the lungs and we don't want to do daily chest x-rays for exactly the reasons you described. It's oh. it's the equipment has to go in, then the equipment has to be cleaned, it's more PPE, it's more potential exposures, it's all of those sorts of things. We wanna be doing things that are pragmatic and we wanna be doing things that can also impact our management and our decision making. What is the strategic vision acknowledging that so many other parts of medicine have changed and we've been talking about how ultrasound is the stethoscope of the 21st century. Is that moment kind of here? I mean, do you feel like we're actually getting close to that tipping point?
0: It's so hard to say because I, I think that some of my mentors might listen to this later and say, you can't say that. We spent years, extra years at the bedside auscultating and discussing. Yeah. So I still can't go on record as saying, you know, it will replace the stethoscope. Uh, I can't, again, I can't ultrasound wheezes and things. But I think it just adds so, so, so much. Um, we're working on a, on a webinar or... um Uh, An educational session for in September that will go through actually. So I was talking this morning with one of the emergency medicine docs. For him, he says, "Okay, the patient that's hypoxemic and obviously dysnic. You know, he's in he's in Tucson, Arizona. You know, this patient I'm going to treat is presumed COVID. They're going to go to the unit, but the patient that is dysnic but not hypoxemic." Being able to add, okay, they have perfectly normal lung findings throughout, and to help uh, stratify triage decisions. And again, anecdote, but but they're really a lot of people are you know really 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 finding it useful. And then um, we're going to have a, a, a Mass General crit care doc. And she's going to talk about what they've done to try to reduce PPE use and excessive exposure. So a formal echocardiogram for the uh, non-clinician listeners is typically 30 to 45 minutes of an echocardiographer, a sonographer, face-to-face. They are close quarters up in your business, ultrasounding you for 30 to 45 minutes straight. And that is a lot of time. Not Not to mention because you're hot and all that PPE, but that's a lot of time and exposure right there face to face. So uh, working on technology and the ability to rapidly share images um, so that the cardiology team can review the images and say, okay, great job on that focused ultrasound. We don't need to send our sonographer in for a full because it's not going to change management. Or... Yikes, that doesn't look good. We, this justifies like a formal consultative uh, echocardiogram. So again, there's just a million ways trying not to get into the weeds here. But for, for those of us, the publication numbers have increased, the webinars have increased. You know, the excitement has been there for a long time and it's, it's continuing to build more with this.
1: While the examples that you give obviously resonate, given what I was just doing for the last week and what so many of our friends and teammates and colleagues have been doing for months at a time. The anecdotes resonate. They're and they're great and they're compelling. But what I like the most about the way you just described this is, and I will take it on board as a really good correction for me. And just in terms of the language I use around this too, we're not talking about replacing anything we're not talking about pushing anything else aside and that actually really helped we're we're not replacing stethoscopes we're not replacing skill sets this is augmentation this is amplification this is improvement and actually that hearing you frame it like that was actually really helpful for me because we we would never want this to feel like a friction point where someone's going to say don't do this because you're you're horning in on what i'm trying to do or you're pushing away a skill that i've worked hard to learn acknowledging that that all exists but that this can help move things through faster on behalf of your patients. That's actually really compelling.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Our things that we've been working on for years, I'm sure you've heard people talk about. We, OHSU, we were trying to gear up for, let's say, I'm just making these numbers up, but let's say 1,000 virtual visits or 10% virtual visits for next year. Well, COVID hits and within one month, 80% of visits are virtual outpatient visits. The virtual ICUs that were planned, four of them are now up and running. So, it lit a f- an, an urgency fire, but also a collaborative fire. So previously, you know, it's hard to get anyone else to do more work. If I said, hey, uh, director of the Echolab, can you please overread all of these studies for me? Like, I already have a lot of studies to do <laughs> right, in this right. setting. It's for everybody's benefit. It's to yeah. keep the sonographer not face-to-face for 45 minutes. It's to keep the patient healthy, you know, to try to to, to take the best care of the patient. And so it just put everything in a pressure cooker, the collaboration, the innovation, I just feel like everything went into pressure cooker and, you know, it was, it was Instapot medicine. Um, and so a lot of us are just trying to, to keep this momentum, just like, you know, there's been so many, you've had so many incredible podcasts on our anti-racism and allyship movement, all of these things there, it's been a hard time, but we're trying to really capture the momentum and the movement and harness it and move it forward even further.
1: So let's talk about momentum and movement and doing it in a pressure cooker because that's exactly what you've just done. And I think it's really exciting. You have really taken a big plunge, really stepped into a significant amount of tension and taken on a brand new leadership role, which – for a number of reasons is exciting, is uncommon, is stuff to learn and talk about. Share with us what you've been doing and share with us this new role that you're taking on.
0: Yeah, so this is not anything I ever thought I would say in my in my lifetime that I had in, on my radar or that I ever thought I would be a part of the quote unquote C-suite when I, when I Googled that, I was like, Oh my God, I'm, I'm actually a part of the C-suite. Wow. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, so I, I am the new chief medical officer for a point of care ultrasound startup company. And so um, that means I do all kinds of stuff like helping. I mean, first of all, it's an incredible whirlwind, any new job, you're just can't even keep your head about you, but there's all these Amazing things like working on curricular ideas and trying to increase brand presence, culture, community within social social media. This is who we are. This is what we're trying to push research development. So we were talking about anecdotes and covid. Well, you know we're trying to you know everybody wants to get more data about what does it mean when you have those consolidations will this patient decompensate will they not so trying to to help sponsor research and gosh just all kinds of exciting things so that's that's my new i'm still at the university as well my bosses were incredibly supportive they just had me make a very i reduced my fte my think of it as like my hours, my work equivalent at at OHSU. And then um, did a very rigorous statement of conflict of interest in the mitigation plan. For instance, um, if the university is going to buy new ultrasound machines, I will not be a part of that process so that there would be no conflict of interest and so yeah they're they've been very supportive, and so my I have now have two employers the university and and the company is is they Health, so it's been really exciting
1: I think it's great, and you know you and I have spoken about this over the last few months, and it's been for me just an absolute jolt of excitement to hear your process and understand that you're actually taking this plunge and quite honestly, it's incredibly inspiring. And so I just want to say that out loud. I think it's wonderful that you are stepping into a place where there aren't that many women chief medical officers in the medical tech field. And I think that you're going to just blaze this great new trail. And in doing so, and in thinking all of this stuff through and in kind of just chewing through these barriers and thinking about these opportunities, it's important, I think, for the rest of us who are learning from you and are going to watch you and are going to be inspired by you to Also gather in some of those skills that helped you get through that. And so I'd I'd like to start just from the earliest point, just from those places of inertia, the things that make you say, I'm not even going to read this email. I'm not even going to reply to this. I'm not even ready for that. That's yeah. where I think a lot of people who have unbelievable amounts of talent sit right now. These opportunities are floating around and they there's that inertia. So before we get to what got you to actually putting ink on paper and signing your name yeah. on your employment <laughs> agreement, let's start further back. Let's start from that place of, I just got this email. I just, got, I just heard about this thing. Instead of the voice that says, don't bother, don't, don't, don't. I've heard that voice. I know that voice. Well, how did, what were the things that got you through that moment of inertia?
0: Yeah. Yeah. And the other voices, I'm not good enough. And why are they asking me? So there's a lot of, there's a lot of voices to get through. Um, and I'll just kind of start out with how I even started communicating. So I have been a free agent for a long time. I had said, I will give any company, anyone advice I will review your product, I will tell you what I think you should do better, and I will tell you what I need as an internist, because I feel like my voice is not well represented. Uh, It's a lot of, I love my emergency medicine and critical care colleagues, but a lot of products and services are built for them. And so I'm like, you know what, I'm here, I'm an educator, I'm an internist, and I, I want a seat at that table too. And so I, again, I've given for a, probably hundreds of hours of free advice to many companies. You know, I don't, I've never, this is my first uh, time I've ever received money from industry ever um, because I just want what's best for me and what's best for my patients and what's best for my learners. I want the most affordable, most highly functional, you know, thing I can find. And so I've, I've had a relationship with the, the Vave team and um, Dr. Caroline Zeisbrick, who's um, a German physician um, with the company and we've had talks for years. And so um, she had just, they had set up a, a call and we had been chatting and I was kind of like, this feels a little different because there was the head of product on and the VP of sales and, and doctors break Caroline. And I'm like, this feels different. And they said, you know, we're at this place. We're nearing our commercial launch. We need a CMO and we want someone that represents a broad group of people and we think that you would be great for that role. And I, you know, about fell out of my chair, (laughs) never, never had I thought that this would be something, I mean, it's, it's emergency medicine doctors, it's incredibly published people, it's surgeons, it's not, it's not me, it's not, you know, mid-career women in, in, you know, hospitalists. And so I was just, that was the first part was, it was just plain old shock, like, really? Um, and, and then it was that imposter syndrome. I'm not good enough. I don't have the expertise and I will actually, let's take a quick timeout, a quick step back to our first podcast recording, because you've been very charitable and you have not said, I told you so. So I appreciate that from you, but back towards the end of that first podcast recording, you, I was like, well, you know, there's other people that do much better than me. And you said, stop, you need to own that. You're an expert. Okay. Other people are experts, but you're an expert too. And so you made me own that. And it was, you know, six months later that this all happens. And, and part of you calling me on that, calling me on my BS made me actually consider this a little, you know, more right up front. So I, I just kind of thought, okay, well, it's interesting. I'm, I'm shocked. I'm honored. And I'm going to think through it. So immediately I'm, you know, setting up calls with my chair of medicine, my, one of my mentors, one of the associate deans, um, you know, talking my husband's ear off my POCUS friends, everyone, because as an academician, I consider myself, you know, educator, educator, first, doctor, second, doctor, first, educator, second, however you want to say it. But there's this fear that like industry's bad industry's dirty you know or whatever because I think my generation of training the pendulum had swung so far from there's free lunch by pharma every day to like oh my god you have a, a viagra pen you know so things change and I had researched before med school and there still were all these free lunches from pharma but it really the pendulum swung and so as I started realizing okay I think I could be good at this I think I bring a lot to the table I was still reconciling mentally this sensation of like am I selling out is this am I am I giving up on on my academic dream and so thankfully I have fantastic mentors and they said a lot of people do this because ultimately You can only shape your university or what you do through, you know, teaching with American College of Physicians or American Institute of Ultrasound Medicine. You know, you're teaching 100 people at a time, right? Yeah, great. You've created courses, awesome work. But you're teaching 100 people at a time. If you take your ideas, your passion, your creativity to a company and you help them make a product that gets out there in the world and gets to, you know, Botswana where one is with my um, colleague right now, like that's changing epically more. And it reminded me of when I first realized I wanted to be an educator was because I could take care of a hundred patients or I could take care of 50 patients and and educate 50 students. And then if they went, you know, anyway, I'm not going to walk you through the boring math, but, and so that was how I kind of came to reconcile with that piece. And then another mentor, and I've tweeted about this a lot on the women in medicine Sunday chat. I've shared several times. There's this Ikigai diagram. Um, it's Japanese and it's a Venn diagram. There's four quadrants. And of course, I'm probably going to butcher it, but uh, there's these parts that intersect in the middle is like your purpose, the sweet spot. And so it's like, what am I good at? What am I passionate about? Uh, What can I get paid for? And what does the world need? And if you do too much in any one direction, you're missing out. So I might be getting paid excellently, but the world doesn't need it. So I don't feel fulfilled or, you know, the world needs it, but I have $260,000 of student loans. So, you know, those got to get paid. So I I just spent a lot of time looking at that and realizing that this was pretty near the middle as well. And so then I, I was, okay, well, we'll, we'll do a talk with the CEO and I had this huge list of questions and I was like, are you going to make me try to do a talk, you know, like the asthma talk where they sneak in their branded product, you know, and say, you should always use this for your asthma patients. And he's like, no, of of course not. And I was like, are you going to really listen to me? Or do you just want a spokesperson? Because I'm not that person. And I actually um, used uh, a curse word on the phone, you know, because my dad said (laughs) I'm a a no BS kind of a person. But I said, you know, I, I, I cursed. And I just was like, I want him to know what he's getting, Right. I'm a heart on my sleeve. I'm going to tell you what I think. And if they don't want that, they don't want me. And so um, I had a couple calls with him and the vision and the mission for education and uh, just really, truly supporting people. Some of the, the tech and the developments are things that are solving needs that internists have been coming to me with for years. And so I was like, this is it. I can have a contribution here. And so... I'm going to do it. So, yeah, that's kind of the whole, sorry, oral monologue of of how I came to take like the crazy, scariest leap of my life.
1: <laughs> I, I think it's fantastic. And here's the here's what I'm going to reflect back to you as the critical pieces that when people ask you, Renee, how did you do this and how do I do it? I think it's a couple of them, right? It's the first thing that you, you know, no particular order. It's first of all, understanding what's important to you and figuring that out with whatever tools are at hand or you're comfortable with, but being really honest and understanding what's important to you and then driving towards it. The other one is the skill set that you develop through what I understand to be just a variety of different things through mentors, through conversations, through your own understanding, your own kind of maturation process to where anybody that is in a room taking a meeting Getting to the point where when an offer kind of percolates up or when there might be an opportunity there for the taking that might even be unspoken, it's that level of confidence. It's expecting to be asked. It's thinking, I am good enough to be asked or I'm good enough to actually see something there and to ask for it. And I think those tools we can all develop and all get better at for sure. And then the last piece is just that authenticity when you're in the process. What you said about them making sure that your potential teammates know what they're getting and know who they're getting and that if you're not right if they don't like that then you're not the right fit that is so critical to success because if you don't do that when you're going to take a big step like this you're not match fit and you've already got a friction point before you've even started the job and then you're having to be somebody or behave in a certain way that's not your natural instinctive thing to do so then when you're under pressure you not only have to think about the item you're under pressure about, but you have to think about this other personality that you have to maintain. Those three things, Renee, I mean, that's just yeah, critical that's stuff.
0: True. Yeah. I mean, I, the other thing, um, some of my mentors are like, well, you need to figure out, you know, what's worst case scenario if you don't like, so I, that's another, I didn't, you always have your worst case scenario. Okay. This doesn't work out. And then yeah. I, you know, I, I go, so I always have that in the back of my mind. But yeah, it was, and, and I, I, it's just been, fantastic. I have been using completely different parts of my brain. I've been learning so much and I never, um, I just have grown a ton and I just really didn't think that, you don't know what to expect until you do it, until you take the leap. And it's terrifying. I mean, I was terrified. And then <laughs> you know, two weeks into the job, there's a big meeting down at the at the office. And I said, well, this is important. I, w- I want to be there. I'm going to fly down for it because this is a really big deal. Um, and so I, I flew down and, you know, the, people aren't in the office because of COVID other than so there were just us, but I was the first one there. I fly down by myself. I've never been to the office. I have to call and get let in. I'm like peeing my pants here. Okay. I'm in a place. I don't know for a company that I like just started for. And I, I had to, you know, ask my husband out what I was wearing. You know, I'm like trying to lady boss it and man, it, I just had to, okay, deep breaths. I walked in, I got some coffee uh, and was like, okay, you can do this. Like you sit, I, took my seat at the table. Like, you can do this. Fake. in what I tell my students, it's not fake until you make it. Cause that sounds dangerous, especially in healthcare. It's fake confidence until you feel confidence. I know that some of Amy, um, the Amy Cuddy kind of the posture, the, the power poses were, was, was debunked a little bit later, but to me, it doesn't matter if it's placebo effect. Cause if it makes me feel capable and it makes me feel like I'm there and I can do this, like get in the bathroom and do some power poses in the stall, like, you know, do some deep breathing. And that was, that was terrifying, but it ended up, I text. I think I texted you one of the picture of me with, you know, a bunch of other dudes. Um, and, uh, it was, yeah, I survived and now I'm feeling more confident. I'm like, all you right, you didn't
1: survive this. though, Renee, you <laughs> delivered the goods, right? Again, it, this wasn't you just having to survive a crucible, you well. delivered and now here you are. And I just think it's awesome. But the thing that I love the most is when you and I were talking about this, like, oh, wow, this is a really cool opportunity and there's a market opportunity and it's great tech and it's all very – exciting. listening to you kind of reflect on the journey now with this much specificity and just kind of granularity about your mindset, I think it's the impact you're going to have on people who watch and learn and observe and ask you how you did this that's actually (laughs) – It's gonna be a different kind of impact, but I think it's gonna be a pretty big lane. I think that this is really exciting for a physician kind of early mid-career to do this in such a transparent way because it demystifies so many things that feel intimidating that can add to that inertia. I don't understand this, it scares me. People may think I'm being bad or I'm gonna have a conflict of interest. I think you're gonna help really unlock a lot of that, which is really a positive.
0: Yeah, I've, I've had several, um, a couple people have reached out to me and said, I would love to chat about how you, how did you come to this? How did you think through it? I just started my career after residency. I don't know if I made the right decision. Um, and so it's, that's been pretty amazing. And my chair of medicine is an amazing advocate and sponsor of, of women, he for she, um, Dr. David Jacoby. And, and he said, you know, and, and also my, my uh, a couple other mentors are like, you cannot underestimate what this shows like being the only like woman cmo and you know and it's like my ceo's like look i don't want to make it about having to be like we didn't pick you for being a woman you we picked you for being the best person for the job but i'm like but my my point also is that um i am trying to role model and be like this is scary this you know this is scary as hell but you know what it's the right work and i think i can do it really well and so um you know he's like you can't underestimate what that does you're you're helping to change the numbers change that whole concept of the leaky pipeline all that every person that moves up to professor for instance which we have we have discussed um you're (laughs) the beef with that yeah so anyway they just everybody's been so so supportive
1: I think it's really wonderful. And so now we have a couple of different reasons for people to seek you out, not just to learn about the tech and the company that you're working for, Bave Health, but also just to connect with you and be able to follow your journey. So share with us, how do we follow you? How do we follow your professional work? How do we follow along on this new journey that you're taking?
0: Yeah, thanks. So um, on Twitter, I am at doctor is in D-R Sonos, S-O-N-O-S. RD. So at Dr. Sonos RD or uh, Dr. Sonos Renee Diversal. Um, and then I'm on LinkedIn just under Renee Diversal. That's the one I'm I'm getting used to the most. Um, I'm trying to also do Instagram. I'm just trying to, to share my nerdy posts i do friday every friday i release a video or something about the you know the company or ultrasound um so on instagram i think i'm at our diverse because there's not too many diverse dolls so those are the ways and then i'm always willing to you know chat with people i love being able to help other people focus education really anything mentorship and sponsorship are some of the most important things we can contribute to and again, the company is Vave Health. Um, the website is www.waveva. V E health.com on Twitter. You can just look up Vave health. They also are on LinkedIn and everything as well, but you can find them and me through that. And we're going to be doing a couple of really cool sessions. So September 2nd, we're going to do a live demo showing um, some of the scanning, the sharing of images and just other stuff kind of more behind the company because the goal is to really get the culture and the mission out there. Uh, I respect the heck out of my CEO for saying like, look, this isn't about a probe. And some software, some programming. It's not. It's not hardware and software. This is about a culture and what we're trying to do in the world. Um, and then we're going to do some cool free educational webinars on September sixteenth and October fifteenth. And with those, people will be able to submit for free via the app to have 25 images QA'd for free. And those images can be from any company. It's purely just as a service. If you're someone out there that says, I don't have access to an expert to review my images, but I'm this close to what my hospital wants me to have for privileging and credentialing, uh, we will for free QA. Uh, 25 images. And so that'll be through the app um, and in details to come.
1: It's all really exciting. And I am. So grateful and appreciative that you are sharing this journey with us because you're right at the early stages. You haven't waited to be like, okay, I'm in the role now and I'm six months in and we're showing a, a, a profit and this and that. We've done all yeah. you're, you're sharing this right from the jump and that level of transparency is really admirable. And I think it's just incredibly exciting. I cannot wait to follow along with you and you. for all of us to be able to support you. And then in turn, you can support us when we have to go back into the isolation room and try to take oh, the best sure. possible care of our patients. But for all of that, Renee, thank you so much for coming on. This was just fabulous. It's
0: been wonderful chatting with you again, and thanks for your support along the way.
1: My thanks again to Dr. Renee DeVersdal for joining us on this episode of Explore the Space podcast. And again, thank you to Lori Bedke and Creighton University for sponsoring this episode. Learn more about Creighton's Executive MBA and Executive Fellowship programs at www.creighton.edu backslash C-H-E-E. And finally, thanks, as always, to you for listening. Really appreciate it. Never take it for granted. Thank you so much for making some time and space to check out Explore the Space podcast. Lots more great content coming. Definitely give us a subscribe and a rating and review if you are so inclined. Definitely share with your friends and your colleagues. Make sure you wear your masks. Make sure you maintain physical distancing. Take care of yourselves, and we will see you soon. Bye-bye.